I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Laura. She has schizophrenia. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you look rested. I've been going to bed early and getting up early. You're getting up super early. Yeah, it's great to be like super drained at nine thirty. It's a good feeling. It is really. It's great. the feeling of uh, realizing you're getting old. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, you know. Yes, and I love that feeling. How uh, are you doing, Brian? Yeah, Brian. How's your? How are you doing? Good. I'm pretty good. I, I've. You know, I'm really used to getting up at 5.30 in the morning, right. which I do every day and work all day. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, you can probably now start to understand how I usually feel, right? Right. I've been on permanent retirement since I was uh, born, so I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about working every day. Yeah. And uh, uh, our guest today, Laura, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I uh, I spent some time hanging out with the chickens in my backyard with a two-year-old. Today, Wait, you got so. chickens? Yep. In oh. downtown Halifax? Totally legal. That's yeah. so Sweet. badass. Mm-hmm. Do you get eggs from them? Yeah. That's, I thought it was techni- technically illegal. Did people leave you alone about it? Because it's like, well, fuck off. I got chickens. No. I mean, when you think about it, when would they have instated that law? Can I ask okay. this? Why mm-hmm. the fuck would a chicken not be okay to have? <laughs> Who um, knows? Really no good reason. Um, the, some of the, the same laws with like other pets kind of apply. Like if it's, you know, causing too much noise and the neighbors complain or whatever, like you're not allowed to have roosters, I don't think, in the city. That, but That makes sense. Roosters are I can yeah. get roosters. kind of a pain in the ass for I can your get roosters. But you? it's, like, yeah. it's like, why is it illegal? Why is it technically illegal to walk across the street? Uh, when That's there's no, issue. when there's no, when there's no yeah. fucking sign that says you can. <laughs> well, <laughs> Laura, my, my question is, have you ever considered renting out your chickens just for like a night? Because no. we're, we're doing a, for like a party. Well, we're having a, <laughs> Are they having party a chickens? <laughs> well, well, you know, we're, we're having a Mexican night at the end of the month and Are we, we were thinking about how cool it would be to have live chickens running around. Is this a They're, bit? <laughs> yeah. No, Colin, Colin is Colin. I didn't There's know this. No joke. I'm 100% being serious that I was in a Facebook message thread like three days ago and somebody was asking, can I get a live chicken for X night because we're doing a Mexican party and we want the chicken to just to run around. There's something be present. Oh. There's something, there's something oddly, subtly racist subtly about racist. that. I was about to say the same thing. I was like, there's something, there's something a little wrong about that in my mind. I just want to say it know. wasn't my idea. I think you're right. It wasn't my idea, right. but I thought I would ask well, for, uh, for a friend. I mean, <laughs> for a friend. I mean, I think I would loan it out if it was like, you know, someone was really lonely or they are having a hard time and they like wanted a therapy chicken. There's, you like, know what? Chickens are so cute. Like <laughs> yeah. when you see someone holding a chicken and they're like kind of, I look at my cat sometimes. And I'm like, oh, it looks like a chicken. Because like their, their little paws are like get tucked underneath them mm-hmm. and they just look like a little, 
They look like a little football. But, you know? but you're a little With bit you're a little bit more hesitant to lend them out when it's uh, to <laughs> inaccurately represent someone's culture. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> inaccurate though, is it really that inaccurate? Uh, or stereotypically represent someone's culture might be better. Or just a weird form Halloween. of party appropriation. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I Halloween I guess Halloween yeah. is the time to do that. Right? Actually it's not. That's that's <laughs> yeah. the typical time to do it, but it's not. It's the time where the, all those things get hap- start to happen. I was, I was I gonna say speaking speaking of chickens and and Mexicans and parties. Right, yes, yeah, speaking um, of that. We're here to talk about schizophrenia. Oh my god! Yes, uh, of course. I'm, on the I, on the same thread. Of I course. literally could not find. I was the whole time. I was like, "Where's the segue here?" There is none. Uh, we are here to talk about schizophrenia. I thought you were going to talk about blackface for Halloween. Oh god, no! That's let's not definitely go there. not going there. Let's not go there. at all. Uh, we're here to talk about schizophrenia. And uh, Laura, you have schizophrenia. Yeah, I mean, or I, had? I guess, yeah. I mean, the way you can look at it in different ways. I mean. Whatever that means, I technically fit the diagnosis at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I technically had the you know experiences which psychiatry would label as being that. Um, in terms of how it affects me now, it's it doesn't affect me in the same way now, and right. I probably wouldn't be like if I walked into a clinic now and and no one knew anything about me, they probably wouldn't diagnose me today because I'm not actively psychotic. But you know, it's it's one of those things that um, people assume is uh, chronic and and. That people don't have. Like you have it, yeah. and now you have it for the rest of your life. Yeah, like, I yeah. think a lot of people assume that. It's not really like that. Boom. Well, th- this is really cool because uh, last week we put out an episode mm-hmm. um, where we spoke to someone who whose mom mm-hmm. lived with schizophrenia. Um, and we heard from the perspective of someone who, who takes care of someone living with schizophrenia, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically, paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, and now this week... And this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. Like this week, we're sticking with the same illness, but now it's someone who's who has been or is directly affected by it, and, and it's completely by accident. Uh, almost, I kind of set it up that I, I kind of set it up that way. But yes, it, I mean, it <laughs> okay. just the the stars aligned in the way that they did to actually make this happen. So right. you are right; it is kind of by accident. Yeah, um, we're we're just lucky that it happened to like schedules aligned and it worked. We're just uh, so lucky you right. had schizophrenia. Laura. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So That's, that that is exactly what well, it comes down to. I mean, to. it's the it's, you know, um, it's the quarter moon. Well, it's, uh, yeah, well, if we're gonna get into Mercury being in a retrograde, <laughs> I'm gonna stop the podcast right now. Um, well. But uh, uh, is it, is it, in, is it, in, is it in retrograde? I don't know. I think I've heard a lot of people saying there's like a new moon, like the hunter moon is in the, Aries or something. Well, I know um, that there's some sort of crazy moon happening right now. It's the like, moon yeah. has been nuts It's lately. really big. It's really, really big. Like it's been the biggest moon I've seen in a long time. Yeah, We're it's just a po- hunter moon, which means I think it's closer to, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I have to, I have to learn my, relearn my elementary yeah. science, but like, it's kind of like, I think, I don't know if it's closer to the earth or it appears closer in this particular Right, that would make sense here. because, like, yeah. it would be there would be more light from the moon, so they would call it a hunter moon, so you could hunt at night. That makes oh, sense. Yeah. That's oh, probably it. That's, yeah. that's actually really smart, Brian. Wow, I don't care if that's not it. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. That's yeah, 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 and that's yeah. what I'll but say for my moon. ADHD. We, generally, makes me a smarter person. Uh, right, don't right, don't, right, don't right. lean on it. Don't <laughs> lean on it. Anyway, <laughs> how the fuck did we get onto that? Coming back to schizophrenia. Uh, let's let's go back to there. We go. Well, actually, here's a quick question. I just said the moon is is crazy right now, and you were yeah. like the moon is nuts. Yeah. Do you oh. find do you find that that um, does that offend you? Does that or does that like um, the uh, usage of those words like crazy nuts like that's wacky? Uh, it really depends on the context and 
often, I mean, I'm not really offended by the common usage words like that, um, more the specific ones right. that are meant as like derogatory like, terms. Like someone's yeah. a schizo mm -hmm. or, yeah, or psycho, or, 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 psycho yeah. or like that person's like a, yeah. Or if you're talking about someone in a way that is demeaning their behavior, if you're talking about an, a, like an entity that is like seemingly really bright and really interesting at that time, like crazy isn't necessarily negative, but some people are offended by the word crazy yeah. or by nuts. Right. Some people are. Like, yeah, like sure. I called, I called Brian's pro line ticket this weekend insane mm -hmm. because it was just so poorly picked. Yeah. Well, some people would be offended by that. I wasn't, but. Perfect. Yeah. I wasn't offended yeah. either, so that's good. No, that's good. he wasn't. That's good. He wasn't. He'll continue to do those picks next week. Uh, <laughs> I've won more money than Taylor this uh, year. So let's leave it. Neither here nor there. Uh, let's take it back. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, uh -huh, sure. Uh, or if we can do that. Like, mm -hmm. what's how old are you right now? I'm 36. Okay. And when you when did things start to change in terms of like, uh, in terms of your mental status like like when did things go from normal in quotations to uh something's different or something's wrong sure um well the funny thing is is that i don't know what's normal and what's not normal because i've only had my experience and and i think that's true for everyone to some degree um growing up i, I think i had certain risk factors um you know, like head injury, losing a caregiver when I was really young, like having, you know, smoking pot from 12 to 16, you know, like that's like a really high risk age group to do it right. for mm -hmm. psychosis. Um, having, what was the, what was the head injury, if you don't mind just, me Just a somersaulting in a walker down a set of stairs when I was an infant. Like well, that's was, fucking was, badass. Uh, did, yeah. you, did someone dare you? Or? No, it's kind of, it was, no, it's just, I mean, I've had a lot of head injuries. I think after that first one, it's like one of those things that like you just become accident prone or something. Right, sure. But I, I don't think that, that may have nothing to do with it. I'm not sure. I just, I know there's some things that could be risk factors. Also like bullying. There's been evidence about, you know, um, anything that leads to a feeling of high stress levels in youth, um, high um, cortisol elevation. Um, it can be due to, you know, bullying stuff at home, like, you know, stress in your environment of any kind, poverty, mm -hmm. um, racism is a really big one. Um, that's why. Holy oh, shit, no way. Yeah. If you're, if you're a first or second generation, um, immigrant and you, you know, you can be born here, but if you're not of the dominant race and you experience a certain amount of oppression and racism in your day-to-day -day life growing up, that increases your chances of developing psychosis by like three to 400%. Whoa. Fuck. Yep. What? Three or 400? percent That's yep. a huge leap. That's oh my like God. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it, so I mean, which, is which that if you just stress-based? It's just stress-based or, or trauma? Well, I guess trauma. It's kind of one of those things. There's a lot of people that have different points of view and mine is only one. Um, there's certainly some people that are still looking for this mystery gene that someday they're going to find that's going to prove that schizophrenia is completely genetic. I don't think that really holds water for me. Right. I don't. I just don't. It doesn't feel like it from from my own experience. I think there could be some factors, but I think that could be through, you know, having. And, and it's it's not one schizophrenia is not one thing. It's like a series of combined experiences that often cluster together, but not always in the mm. same way, and. Um, but but in terms of psychosis, which is the main feature of schizophrenia, I think um, 
that's one of those things that uh, definitely the more stress you have when you're younger, the more dopamine sensitivity you develop as right. you get older. And dopamine sensitivity, ha- like or hypersensitivity, um, as the brain starts to go through synaptic pruning in your late teens, like that's when it starts to show for some people and for right. women a little later. Do you have Do you have like a <coughs> medical background? I, I do somewhat. I um. <clears throat> I, uh, you're, you're, you're using, using like, big yeah. words. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to. No, no, I didn't mean to get really. No, no, critical. no. It's no, just no, for Brian. Totally, it's just for Brian. That's totally cool. <laughs> no, um, no, we're just. You know what? Though, it, it's good. It's good because this is like uh, we. It's it's nice to be able to speak to someone who's dealing with something and they 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 know like very in depth like the the terminology and the words that you're using are. It's clear that you know what you're talking about right and that's that's Maybe. or I to mean, some point to yeah some i've done i've done some work in in the field in mental health for sure i'm not i'm not a doctor um but um right, well we yeah. can call you doctor it's fine yeah no. dr laura, <laughs> dr. laura <laughs> you, you heard it here don't. dr laura we got <laughs> no, no, no. so <laughs> That'll I, be really um <laughs> one of the things laura yeah. you you mentioned that like uh uh smoking pot from 12 to 16 uh can be like one of the f- potential risk factors that mm-hmm. could that could cause you to experience like psychosis or schizophrenia. Laura, you were saying um, you you dabbled in it when you were uh when I was young, younger young and then teen. when I was a little older as well, but not as much not like as much. Do you currently do you currently like smoke pot? No. No. I don't mainly I mean I'm also on a low dose antipsychotic medication, which is like well I don't even know how that interacts. It would probably just make me really sleepy and I don't sure. really want to bother. But <laughs> and I, I mean it may also be a risk thing to do. I don't know. Um so I just don't and and I don't know why I found when I was younger, when I would smoke more, um, I found I would get really spaced out and, and not feel very grounded. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I feel when I smoke. Weed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and I didn't really I like, like that feeling yeah, all the time. I just the wake the cumulative feeling that you after doing it regularly for a few weeks, it's like, oh, yeah. So, one of the questions I have, what is, I want to clear up like the general mm-hmm. stigma around yeah. schizophrenia, because when I know that. Probably sometime in the last like few years is probably where this the my misunderstanding of schizophrenia it didn't clear up what schizophrenia was, but I kind of cleared up what I what it wasn't, okay. um, which was my perception previous to that was uh, Jim Carrey and me myself and Irene as like it's a multiple personality type yeah. of person, and I, I and I I don't even know if in that movie they even say I don't think they say no I think they ever. do say multiple personality disorder. I actually I I know they do because I looked it up yesterday because uh, I was doing something on on Instagram that actually had a to do with a scene from that movie. However, you're right. I looked at that movie too and and if you had asked me two weeks ago I would have been like yeah I'm pretty sure that movie was about schizophrenia I know but what is it about if they if they don't say it in that movie what is it that made us culturally think that that's what schizophrenia was I think I don't know because I think there's because this like sta- this hearing voices in it's, your it's head it's a common misperception right. that it's split personality okay. right that, it, that is common that, that is a common okay. misperception I think or you was for a while it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, and also multiple personality isn't even in the DSM anymore either. It's dissociative identity disorder, and it has been for a while. So that's not even clinical language that they're using. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of really, it's like, well, we're so behind in, in getting a lot of, um, and not that the DSM means anything, not that it's the Diagnostic Statisticians Manual where you have a list of like all the different disorders. Yeah. It's not, it's not, that doesn't even matter. It's just the understanding is so lacking of what I think a lot of different people's experiences are. On a you know personal level, which is mm-hmm. why this podcast is so great because like you get to go mm-hmm. into um, 
the lived experience of people as opposed to like, and I'm trying, I'm trying hard now that I, I've gone down this path of talking about clinical stuff to like not do that too much because it's like. It's okay. We'll, yeah. re, we'll, re, we'll really in if Thank we need you. to. Thank you. Because I think it's just like, I think instead of talking about my personal experience, I just now went into like, well, this is some ways this might have, you know. Wait, and then that's fine. That's totally fine if, when mm-hmm. that happens because it's stuff that I, you know, I'm interested in this shit. I want to learn. Specifically with mental health, mm-hmm. uh, I oftentimes hear, and, and I personally have thrown around a lot, that uh, mental health, these illnesses are all on, on spectrums. Yeah. So with, for example, my diagnosis or partial diagnosis of ADHD the other mm-hmm. day, yeah. um, I, I'm certainly not the worst case of ADHD that's ever existed. So I'm just wondering, I'm wondering like kind of what your thoughts might be. And just from just from your experience in looking into this, um, is there a way that we can definitively say like you're experiencing this disorder uh, or X or Y or Z or whatever when it comes to mental illness? I think you always is have it? to take it with a grain of salt because these things are social constructs. Like the mm. idea that madness is, <laughs> I like the word madness better somehow. Mm-hmm. I, the idea that like schizophrenia, for example, is a mental illness is a social construct that we've created and we've decided randomly almost what categories different Um, symptoms are going to go into and they used to have the categories in the dsm of like paranoid type disorganized type um undifferentiated type now they only have like schizophrenia because there's so much overlap sounds like classes in an rpg you know it sounds like uh something you'd be run into and like playing D and be like uh which uh which race yeah. are you i am an yeah, elf yeah, and which yeah. type uh paranoid elf exactly exactly uh, how about you well but a, in reality it's, like, it's also it's all there's such a soup you know we're all just yeah. our brains are like my friend says our brains are like bags of soup and we're acting as if neuroscience is super exact and it's not we know yeah. so little of what we actually purport to, to know and yet we act as if this is so that they're not just symbols. It's just yeah. weird. Like, it's, it's weird because, like, I I guess now in saying this, I kind of struggle to identify what is really the difference between personality and mental illness. What like, is personality so, anyway? You know? Yeah. Like, right. And, so and because I that's a good question though. That's a really good question. Because I look at I look at my quote unquote ADHD as as not a disorder but as a personality trait. It's something that. I need to be uh, more right, conscious. But if, but if your but if your ADHD starts to create, uh, you start to hear voices in your head, and you start to become paranoid that the CIA are after you. I think that's when it starts getting into something that's so, different from personality. So and, a disorder is you know defined in the DSM. A disorder is defined by anything that causes distress. Yes, okay? that's a so, very good point. So yeah. a personality trait. I guess the difference between personality and disorder is that. Like you just said, it, that would cause distress. Yeah, right. Yep. But that, that doesn't sense. mean that it's not any different. I, I guess I just did say how it is different from personality. Yeah. However, it doesn't mean that it's not the same thing that personality is. Does that make sense? I totally. So, get, I don't know. Kind of. I, I, I understand what you mean because <laughs> yeah. when we got off the phone the other day, and and you know, and just on this whole general topic of like of. <clears throat> mental illness and diagnosing and putting these labels on things and personality versus a disorder and, and defining that when we were, when Brian and I were having this conversation the other day, he called me and said, yo, I saw, uh, I saw somebody about, uh, about possibly having ADHD. And, uh, so Brian said he, at, the, the doc asked me if I exercise a lot and they said, 
And Brian said, well, I used to all the time. Brian was a really, really top-notch athlete for his entire life. Um, and then probably, what, around like 23, 4-ish, yeah. you stopped? Yeah. Um, you stopped in like the terms of the training regimen that he would have had, which was really rigorous. And then said, well, oh, well, if that uh, exercise can be really good for managing ADHD, uh, so maybe that's that could be something that brings it on now where now you realize it, whereas maybe you wouldn't have have before because you were exercising all the time, which then my devil's advocate argument to that is like, well, if you've just been doing something your entire life and then you make a complete shift, isn't it natural natural to to think that you, that something would change and you would, you would experience like a different. Well, it's like if you ate healthy your entire life and then you start eating shit. There's, yeah. you're going to see, you're going to see a, a note. Anyway. Uh, and I mean, I guess that's on, I guess that, that that's kind of off topic in terms of like <coughs> getting back around to schizophrenia in some way, but. Taylor, like, you missed some midweek episode when we had this, when we talked about this stuff. So it, we, we did, but I, I think it's okay to, to come <laughs> no, back totally. to it. But I'm I would, I would love to bring it back to yeah. the personal, like your personal experience yeah. with your schizophrenia. We, we sort of touched on it and then somehow <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. went on like a 20 minute tangent. Uh, but. Coming back to like the early days, so you said you went through some like physical trauma, you 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 uh, some emotional trauma, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you were dabbling in marijuana, mm-hmm. um, and I guess my first question was was what like when did things start to present themselves as different? Well, I've had I had um, you know as a result of like you know shitty situations at school and whatever, I basically. Um, started to develop depression when I was like 10, 11. Okay. And then anxiety and then anorexia. And then that sort of resolved in high school, the anorexia part. But I, I then I still had was in and out of dealing with depression. And then uh, that became confusing. Um, that's actually quite common that people have anxiety and depression first because it's they say it's like prodrome. It's like, you know, leading up to it, your brain starts to get all weird <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. so basically what what happened to me was I was in my last year of my undergrad degree in Montreal and uh firstly I started to feel numb uh I started to feel like I had no like physically numb no uh, no emotionally okay. like okay. I would I would watch things that normally would make me ball like normally I'm the kind of person that like cries at like the drop of a hat like if yeah. someone <laughs> says something kind you're like you know anything that like just super emotional person right. and and suddenly <laughs> so, nothing sounds like me yeah, suddenly nothing. So this was really hard. Yeah. And then um, I didn't know why. My mom was like, maybe it's just another depressive episode. And I was like, no, it feels different. Uh, and then at some point I was on the bus um, uh, just going, coming from South Montreal to back into the city. And it was like, um, I heard the most beautiful surround sound music. It was like orchestral music that was really, really, it was like it was all around me. And uh, I just kind of took it in for about 10 minutes. And then at some point, a part of me like snapped out of it and was like, where is this coming from? Whoa, no way. Oh, yeah, I it wasn't actually. Everyone, no. everyone else isn't also Whoa. going, no one, la, 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 no, 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 no one else was hearing this. So I, I went to the front of the bus and it wasn't on the bus driver's radio. It wasn't on, you know, no one had a really loud headphone situation. No, it was, it was not on the bus at all. Was it music you've ever heard before? No. Oh my God! The, you're you could be like a brilliant music composer. <laughs> you could be the next Beethoven be. yeah. if only you know. had written that down. If only had written it down. I know I didn't. Do you have That's like the mu- fascinating like uh, thing. I do have a musical background. background. Yeah. yeah. What uh, do you remember the the sort of like um, the like the feeling of the music? You know, like was it was it really warm music or was it, was, it like very exciting? It was warm and profound. Um, wow. And then, um, but then I was like, oh fuck. 
this is why is this <laughs> I happening? Shouldn't be I shouldn't be this. hearing this. So I remember I got off the phone, I got off the bus, and it had stopped by that point, and I got to back to like a where the hell was I? Anyway, some place that had a payphone because back in those days they had payphones, right. and I called my mom in Nova Scotia. And I was like, "Do we have any schizophrenia in our family?" Because I was like, I I that was what psych. you oh okay yeah I had taken psych before. I was like, people don't hear things for no freaking reason. So I was like, right. I'm gonna ask, and she said no, and I was like, okay, and I went to the next day. I went to um, the next day, the same day, I went to the clinic at Concordia where I was a student and the doctor said oh you're withdrawing from your antidepressant meds it's probably that that's probably why you're hallucinating and I was like okay well, so and I was like all right would um, that be deemed a hallucination hearing music that is yeah there? like an audible hallucination oh yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's okay. the same yeah. as like voices it just sounds that aren't sure other people's yeah. experience okay um and then um so the next day I was on the bus again going to the other campus at school and I heard a voice inside my chest that was a woman's voice and it was very kind and it said Laura it's going to be all right Whoa. Whoa. And it was just like right inside I just inside got goosebumps. Here. What yeah. is it when you say you hear it? Are you mm-hmm. hearing it like you hear my voice in your headphones right now? Like, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing, only it was like from inside my body in my Whoa. chest area. Holy fuck. Um, That's so That's uh, Can I get like, can I get a little bit spacey for a second mm-hmm. here? Because I uh, I talked about meditation in, in, uh, in yoga class the other night. And um, I had this like really, I'm not going to tell the whole story right now. But if if somebody's listening to this and wants to hear it, come and ask me about it. It's um, a meditation story from India. But I told this story about this experience that I had, and uh, I couldn't quite – I was sitting there meditating, and I couldn't quite understand what I had just experienced. Mm-hmm. But it was something similar to that, like a hallucination. Mm-hmm. So I went and asked my yoga teacher the next day about it, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in a way that you can understand it, he said to me. That sounds and condescending. <laughs> You fucking idiot. (laughs) I don't know if he said word for word, (laughs) verbatim. I get it. He wagged his head, though. He definitely wagged his head. Right, of course. Small little Indian man. Um, And he he just looked at me and he said, Brian, consciousness is like the internet. Yeah. And we are all web pages. And sometimes when you're able to disconnect and let go of your own web page, you'll be able to tap into the entire internet. Yeah. So like And I'm glad you brought that up cuz it it is that fits a bit with the experience of schizophrenia from my point of view because I think whoops um I think because um there is a dissolution of self, the egolessness that happens. It goes beyond the point of like egolessness you'd be working with in mindfulness practice. Right. It's like the self dissolves in my experience anyway, like a over the course of that first couple of months where things started to happen like that um it it was like I was slowly losing touch with who I was to the point where I had to leave school Hmm. and I went uh and I was staying with my sister for a bit in Halifax and uh on her couch and I remember I was hearing things through the wall that obviously weren't happening because it was the middle of the night, you know. Is it like, is that like, that sounds scary. Is that scary? Yeah, yeah. it's very scary. Because I, I was going to say, what like, got scarier was then when I contextualized it is this is bad. Then right. it got scary. So that's, that's when right. it gets scary, right? That's, mm-hmm. But that's, that's what I was just going to say because like when it starts out as orchestral music that is so profound and beautiful and warm mm-hmm. and, and then it's this woman inside your chest saying, Laura, it's going to be all right. Like that going back to the DSM, like that's, to me, that's not distress. That's something that if you could put this positive 
perspective on it. Yeah, but as soon as you realize that that is not the shared reality, that's when things go. I know, but wait, wait, what? No, like this. I get that, and just to kind of like maybe think about things in a different light, just for a second, like. Yes, it's not the shared reality, and that can be scary. But what if it wasn't? You know, what if it wasn't scary? That it's a great that, point. In a lot that, of cultures that are non-Western, we that, yeah, right? that are non-Western and non-fear-based, like ours, um, some indigenous cultures around the world, people will hear voices of ancestors talking to them, and the rest of the community will be like, "Oh, ask so and so what they're saying." You know, like it's not <laughs> like a big deal. Yeah, like, right. No one treats them as if it's bad, yeah. and so they don't have the same level of disability. Yeah. And some cultures seek that with yep. peyote and ayahuasca. Yep. Like, that's, I was, that's yep. their... When you said you heard the music, and then and then the, the music stopped, or you heard the voice in your chest, the first thing I thought about was ayahuasca. Yeah, you know, my my sister in law had a, an experience where she did ayahuasca. She was. She did an ayahuasca retreat while she was pregnant with her, <laughs> with her daughter. Wow. And she had a full, like, in-depth conversation with her unborn child. Amazing. You know, and she was like, it was one of the most liberating and, like, beautiful experiences I'll probably ever feel in my life. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously that wasn't the shared reality. Not no, everyone's not yeah. everyone's tuning yeah. into that Fucking conversation. Right, not. Right. Yeah, but it was brought on through you know. Through... Right. So I dig that point from Brian saying like <laughs> if you can if you can connect positively <laughs> to this mm-hmm. and and it can maintain. That's that. the thing, right? It's yeah. like yeah. that's the thing that is. I don't. I think that's where it's like that is well, it's not really worth the risk because I, yeah. Right. I wonder. It's so hard because I think I feel like whatever our hardware is, whatever. Reading the software. I don't know. Let's not use computer metaphors. Whatever's going on in our, because we're not computers. Whatever's going on in our biology or our psyche or what's happened to us, that informs the kind of experiences that we have if we're in psychosis. Mm -hmm. And everyone has a threshold at which they will go into psychosis. Some people it's really low. Some people it's really high. But I think, um, I think it's just like, I I don't, I don't know. It's It's just, I think if I can't say that, I'm outside of this culture of like stress and fear and capitalism. I'm not outside of it. Mm. If I if I could transplant myself to some shamanic village somewhere and then live there for a while and change my whole psyche and then go like completely try to induce it, I don't know what would be different. But I don't think I really have that option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is if you're in a if in a you're in a culture in a society where that's not quite okay to just let it let it rip you know yeah. just in yeah. case me, in case rip. in case what might what might come down the road then uh you know yeah. better so better better off to get yourself some help mm-hmm. I, i'm yeah well you just you said laura that uh coming back to what you were saying you said that you you kind of contextualize this in a in a negative way um in, wh- in, yeah. in what way like can you explain a little bit more about that uh, yeah, I think I automatically was afraid and thought what a lot of people think is that this is going to be a chronic degenerative course toward disability. And if you look at a lot of research, research in quotes that like, <laughs> I'm doing quotes with my fingers right now, uh, <laughs> research that like was done over the last hundred or so years um, around what schizophrenia was and what the outcomes were, it was pretty dire. People weren't treating yeah. people with a lot of dignity and a lot of care, and people weren't getting better according to the definition when they were put in backwards of asylums, no question. Um, you know, it's just, it's very, it's sad because a lot of people, I lost a client when I was working at um, a first episode clinic in Montreal as an intern in grad school. And he... And first episode is, uh, just for the listeners who mm-hmm. don't know, and correct right. me if I'm wrong, first episode of someone going through a 
Psychotic experience? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of a psychotic experience. So I was working with mostly youngish people who were going through that and recovery. And this gentleman was doing really well. He was um, really starting to destigmatize his experience. Um, and then a couple months after I had to leave because my internship was over and his main clinician, my supervisor, was on vacation. I don't know what was going on with him, but he started researching a lot of um, old research on schizophrenia on the internet or whatever he could find, and just this oh, is the fuck. dire stuff. And he he didn't couldn't make handle it, it because of that, right? Yeah. And and stigma kills Ugh. people. Like it kills people. The suicide rate for people with schizophrenia is higher than people think. Um, I was going to, I was actually, before you even brought that up, I was wondering if when you were hearing these voices coming through the walls and and things started to get scary, Mm -hmm. were you, um, was there any part of you that thought like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get locked up? Or did you know enough? Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I remember um, I was assistant directing a show um, in theater school while I was like finishing up. I I was, this was very close to the end of me being at school. and I dissociated, like lost touch, lost time for two hours. I was, I, I just like snap and gone. I, two hours was gone. I looked down at my notebook where I was supposed to be taking notes at the run of the show. I was assistant directing the director. And basically I, I had taken nothing and I don't know where I was for that two hours. Oh, oh. wow. Can anybody account? No, I was probably sitting there spaced out. I have no idea. Like I was still in the seat. There were times where I lost track of what was going on. I didn't know where I, where I was going later, but... This was a period where I was like, oh, shit. And I remember coming back going, I'm going to be in the Bridgewater psych ward for the rest of my life. I'm going to be old and muttering to myself in bunny slippers. Yeah. Like, going up and down the hallway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to be a vegetable. It's it's Man. it's wild to think about, like, it sounds like you had so much wherewithal uh, about this experience. Like, you're going through and you're just, like, were you being reflective of the situation almost immediately after you were going through um, episode or like, yeah, like I think so like because I, I was so afraid that I was like I gotta fucking put hand, put got a handle on this whatever it is and then I was I was also kind of like one foot in one foot out I didn't know I wanted to figure out what was going on and get to the bottom of it but I also wasn't sure that when I found out what I was going to find that I was going to stick around. This might be a really dumb question, but mm-hmm. stick um, around in life. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know because I didn't know that there was a possibility of having a life that was worth living with this kind of issue because basically you don't hear that. And is that oh. – is that and I, uh, I don't want to like separate you from the, from the disorder but are, mm-hmm. when you're saying that <clears throat> you're not sure if you want to – if you're able to live a life like this, is that yeah. you make you having those thoughts or is yeah. that – so and is that in the same vein as – you know, the guy that you were talking about in your first uh, episode yeah, clinic? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and the reason why it broke my heart so much when we lost him, I mean, aside from the fact that he was a wonderful human being, was because it's not the only case of that happening. Yeah, right. And and I was also really connected to that kind of phenomenon because I had had that same experience where I had, I was close to suicide when I was first, my first year or so of everything happening, for sure. Is it similar to the yeah. to the idea of like, I mean, let's just say hypothetically, like I, I find out I'm going to jail tomorrow for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I'm thinking, 
I might just pull the plug because I don't know if I can do the rest it of my life. It is very similar. It's like if some people think they're going to live in a psych ward for the rest of their life or they're going to be like... It's some. It's you know, a it's life similar. sentence. Yeah. Of, of, it feels you know, like a life sentence. Yeah. It isn't, but it feels like that. Right. Certainly, right. according to a lot of popular points of view, a lot of older research, there is that dire sort of um, pessimistic view. Mm-hmm. And to, to yeah. Taylor, to go back to that uh, thing that we talked about on the episode last week about the town uh, in Belgium... Right. That they, oh, yeah. Are, you, yeah. are you familiar with this? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's it's so fascinating that here and in most places you could end up in a psych ward, but there you can end up living a normal, uh, or yeah, a regular you, you're, life. You're you're actually very well taken care of by yeah. a caring family who who has a completely and a society, not just a family, but a society that has a completely different so- social view on on mental illness. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just yeah. like so much so that it's like, I saw a video today of a, of a, 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 I think it was a councilwoman in Iceland who was breastfeeding while she was defending a bill that she had put forth. Right. And it That's was like, amazing. and it's like no one bats an eye, but you know, if that happened here, <clears throat> it'd be front page news. I mean, I guess it was front page news. Well, yeah. Front page, front page <laughs> on fucking Facebook. Um, but, but, <clears throat> the idea that that's the that's the drastic nature of their view um, to that uh, than here, like that's how it is in mental illness with, in Gale versus a lot of places. But why America can't why can't the entire world be like that? Right. Well, because of the same way, the way that, that the way the cookie has crumbled this, so far. Yeah, exactly. In the same way that we've been just behind in certain places on the planet in mental health versus right. physical health. So now go back the the track record for mental health in that specific pocket of the planet. It's just got a way better track record. Mm-hmm. It just has way more. I don't know. Way a way earlier understanding of what's going on, or a, or. E- Maybe not even technically what's going on, but just sympathy to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you, I mean, in terms of like really rudimentary, like popular neuroscience, it's kind of like the idea that when we are stressed out um, and we have like cortisol elevation in our bodies, we have less compassion and we're a fucking stressed out culture. Yeah. You know, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we're not connected to each other and why we have so much discrimination across all demographics. Mm. The stress, the stress part is, is nuts. And when you, and when we, can cross that nuts, over. Taylor. It's okay. What the oh, fuck God, is wrong God. with you, dude? Oh, See that all those words are so heavily in my vocabulary. You're being I crazy. Can't, right I can't go now. back now. <laughs> so the the, the I'll, I'll say it's wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been it's saying wild. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try. To, I'll try to. I'll try to conscientiously change my vocabulary. <laughs> so the 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 idea that stress is is uh, can induce or you know make you higher risk to develop you know, any number of, of uh, mental illnesses. I think it also induces stigma or, because it reduces compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, when you talk about bullying in schools, mm-hmm. mostly it's, you know, you hear about these uh, very tangible cause and effect things like, you know, X person got bullied for a Y amount of time and then they committed suicide. And right. like in, in the time that they're in school. I've never heard that before, that this is like, you know, following them. And it makes total sense. I've just never thought about it. Yeah. The idea that raising the stress levels of some kids in in these situations where they're being bullied and then later on in life developing something that Mm -hmm. could then cause them potentially to harm themselves, harm themselves, commit suicide, whatever. 
or or develop psychosis or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when things started getting really scary, mm-hmm. uh, when yeah. you started realizing like, oh fuck, like this is not this is not okay for yeah. me. Um, what was your first step in seeking like some some legitimate help? Well, it was probably pretty much from the beginning, like from starting at that, um, starting at the clinic, um, the just general practitioner clinic in Concordia, and then going to a, a mental health clinician in Montreal. And they were like, oh, no, 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 you have too much insight. People don't have insight when they have schizophrenia, which is also a myth. About 40% of people early on when they're developing it do know something's wrong. And also you are educated like a little bit. I mean, to, not, but not more much. probably yeah. more than your average uh, average Joe or Jane, Maybe, right? Yeah. Like you know more than you would know more than I would. You I know, do now. You, I don't think I did so at much the, at the at time. At that time, you didn't. No. Oh, okay. At the time, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know a lot. Okay. okay. And um, and I think um, yeah, I, it was also, and I just I wasn't getting help in Montreal, so I ended up back. Here, I took a long time to get help. Actually, I kept seeking help, but right. I wasn't given it. When she said, you, you, oh, no, you have too much insight into it, mm-hmm. what was she, did she give you any kind of like, what I think is... They is thought, she, could be anxiety that's really bad, that you're like having panic attacks that are just, you? you're this level of whatever, which is not totally, I mean, she can't see what's going on in my head or he couldn't see, I don't right. remember, I think it was a he, but I don't think he could understand what was going on in my head. But then... But is you know. that is that a thing? Someone's feeling anxiety to the point where they're hearing voices coming out of the walls. Like it's. I just watched Stranger <laughs> Things, often. and yeah. I'm thinking of that fucking, like that thing coming through the wall, like trying to get at the boy's mom, like that, like not that, not yeah, that yeah, it was yeah. that, like you know, yeah. horrifying or anything. But like that's kind of what's going on. Like there's entities in the walls. Like mm-hmm. that's that's that seems far more extreme than anxiety. Yeah, and I think. No one wants to give people that diagnosis. And they're so used to seeing people that are floridly psychotic finally coming through their offices. They're not used to people being help-seeking when they're first getting early symptoms because not a lot of people know to be. Do you think that that – because this has been a number of years ago. Do you think Mm -hmm. that that has changed? A little bit, Do you think there's a little more wherewithal within the – A little bit. I think a lot of general practitioners still have a lot of stereotypical views of what schizophrenia is supposed to look like. And so they don't – because it's no, the same. Really identify it. The GPs are still the same people. They're just getting closer to retiring. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, could there be. I go. mean, some some newer ones might have more insight. <laughs> Who knows? But I think, um, yeah, that was. So I kept help seeking, and I kept um, trying to find some answers. Um, and I think it had to get to a point where I was. Um, no one was diagnosing me with anything, and no one was helping me with anything. They weren't giving me anything to go on. And I was like, I know what this is. I don't think I wanted to go down this path. And I became suicidal. And I ended up in the hospital in Bridgewater for that reason. But then while I was in there. Did you attempt or were you? It was sort of, yeah. Yeah. And what did you what, what did? You do? Um, it was uh, the whole typical wrist thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, it's, it's a pretty clean. So it, my scars aren't that visible, but. Did you? Were you found by someone, or no? I I, um, you took I, I actually decided after before I had been able to pass out. I I called myself, so I called myself to go to the hospital. And okay. So I went. Um, I I went there and and was sort of assessed and put in the psych ward, and no one really knew what was going on. They were going to take me off all the meds that like the doctor had me on, which didn't make any sense because you can't go off these things cold turkey and know what's going on because you'll have a rebound effects from those, so who knows. But I was like, this is stupid. No one's helping me. And I was up at night uh, crying in my room, and I could barely cry anymore because I was losing my emotions. 
I was losing mm. my ability to feel emotion. Mm. Yeah, that numb, that, yeah, that numb feeling. And also I was losing ability to think and make sense of things. And I was just crying because there were voices and it was freaking me out. And like, it was often like a radio on either side of my ears that I couldn't really make out what was being said, but it was like chaos. And, um, and the nurse was like, what's going on? And I was like, these voices are, are, I can't fucking handle it. And she was like, voices, that doesn't sound like, you know, anxiety or what's on your chart. I'm like, Right. Well, no one's listening to me. So, you know, like it, it was kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm telling you these things all the time and no one's actually writing it down. And one of the reasons I think before, because of the, um, because I had come in on a suicide attempt and because the level of anxiety or emotional dysregulation was high, they assumed it was borderline personality disorder. And mm-hmm. I was also a young woman that's often, and I had some perceptual disturbances. Like they thought the hallucinations were milder than they were. If it's a really low level hallucination or, or or perceptual disturbance it can be that can be found in borderline so it's understandable that they came to that as an investigative area in looking at my case but I think um the problem with that is there's so much stigma around that that that, that just means you're a bad person and like the nurse said to my mom like she probably has borderline we haven't assessed her for sure yet but that means that she's manipulative. Don't listen to anything she has to say. Holy fuck. So that really pretty much colored my inability to get help for the first six months of me being ill. And then after that, I ended up getting, um, uh, finding out somehow about the early psychosis program in Halifax. And I was in the South Shore at this point, so it wasn't only only an hour away. And I went there, got assessed um, by a nurse and then a psychiatrist, for like an hour each or whatever and they asked me a lot of questions and they said yeah you definitely have a psychosis i don't know why i've been treated yet but anyway well you're gonna do something so and, and how long yeah. had it been uh if you if you don't know but like sure, yeah. maybe just a rough guess how yeah. long had had this have you been within this psychosis up to that point about six months oh, oh wow geez so yeah. a chunk of time but it was also not full-blown for the whole time like it was kind of like comes and goes it was it was in and out of like different levels of confusion and hallucinations and weird thoughts and dissolving of self like looking in the mirror not knowing who i was not knowing my history not remembering anything like dissociative stuff do you have like yeah. a do you have like a scariest moment um mm. during like one of those yeah, psychosis episodes um i've tried to block it out I, if it's too much to no, like it's go okay. into that. No, it's okay. No. Let me see what one of them might have been. Um, Take as much time fuck, as Fuck, not looking, looking in the mirror. That was a pretty scary and one. Not being and able not to knowing remember. who I was or not knowing my history. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Oh, there was one where it was kind of weird, though, because I was a little detached from it. But my neighbor, who I thought was talking to me through the walls and threatening earlier in the week, he he was kind of a heavy drug user, an intense guy anyway, and he yelled coming in at night down the halls anyway. So he was kind of an easy person to project a lot of fear onto. And then when um, one night I thought that he came into my apartment and strangled me and the police came and chased him away and the neighbors were all out the outside in the apartment and it was a big thing. And I just went back to bed and then like 
the next day I was like, oh, no police follow up. What the fuck? This did this all happen in my head? Um, Whoa. And like I felt it. So I felt a tactile hallucination of being strangled. So Whoa. it didn't didn't happen. happen. No. Didn't happen. Oh, this is like, I mean, Holy shit. You know, yeah. Like, I, we've talked to people with with that, that experience mental illness or psychosis and experience like hallucinations and stuff, but uh, and nothing, nothing on on the on the on the this scale of frightening. Yeah, where, it, it was pretty scary. A lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, we're like, we're yeah. personally like, I'm feeling frightened listening to the, yeah. to the story. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, it has this in, it has this intensity to it because I can relate on the on the on the scale of of dreaming. Mm-hmm. I've had dreams where you know you yeah. die yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or whatever you're being attacked, and then you wake up and you immediately know that was not mm-hmm. real. Yeah, or yeah, or yeah. fairly recently, but to continue on in the reality of this being true, mm-hmm. and then and then without waking up, realizing that it all yeah. didn't happen. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I you know, and this is something that we all go through. I think when we're whenever we talk to guests, is we try to put our put ourselves in the shoes of the people we're talking to. <laughs> not not to like trivialize it, but like you just said that and all I could think, fuck I'm, I'm sorry, but all I could think of was like it's in my head I was going it's kind of like when you eat wasabi and the heat is really intense but then it immediately goes away. Right. But then when you yes. have like really hot hot sauce it mm. stays with you for a really long time and right. in my head I was thinking that and going it's a good thing you didn't you say it fucking <laughs> idiot Jeremy <laughs> I know thanks for thanks it. for not saying it and then explaining why you didn't say it when you first thought of uh, it but that but it, it's that's me putting myself that's, into yeah, the yeah, shoot yeah, it's me trying, trying to go like yeah, yeah it's like the hot sauce thing right, my friend yeah. described it as a really bad acid trip that doesn't end yeah well and yeah. that sounds Terrifying, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. that's crazy. And I, I am curious that you know you you were saying you tried to bl- you, a second ago you, you were about to go into your scariest moment. And you said, "Oh, I tried to block that out." Rehashing that, like, is mm-hmm. there? And I guess we'll get to this because you're currently not in. That's not really you're not dealing with that anymore. Mm-hmm. But no. rehashing those memories or rehashing those those hallucinations, does it? Is there a chance that that could like, I don't know, like trigger you back into some sort of psychosis or, or, or bring you any steps closer to like the disorder? I I don't think so. No, 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 I don't think so. I think it's, um, it just, it just brings up a certain amount of like, it feels so far away, actually, honestly, somewhat now, but there's an element of grief around it. And, and, and the grief is mainly around the ways like as much as there was a lot of scary hallucinations and weird perceptual things and losing track of who I was, it was, yeah, I'll go back to that. It's the losing track of who you are and not having a sense of identity or like that you're a hollowed out shell, like that you have no personality anymore, that you have no sense of what to say in a room with people. You don't like, it's just feeling like hollowed out, just a shell so that was the hardest part um feeling like and i also lost a lot of vocabulary i had a lot of cognitive effects so um i couldn't communicate very well mm. well I, I just came across as being very shy for a few years mm-hmm. afterwards and did your yeah. friends like the yeah, say close friends before mm-hmm. you kind of slipped into this 
did they ever say anything to you? Like, huh, you know, Lori, you seem different. Or... Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knew that that stayed around. Um, <coughs> I lost some friends because they were just freaked out. Um, mm. And I moved cities in the middle of it. But um, I had a couple of good friends that stayed around and were like, yeah, I was I was concerned for a while. <laughs> like They were like, yep. <laughs> um, I remember having a conversation with my friend Deliso on the phone in the middle of it. And it was like my 25th birthday. And um, my mom was washing the dishes in the kitchen. And I went to have a conversation. No, I started the conversation with her. And I started talking about um, how, wow, it was Easter, you know, on the 25th on the 27th of March my birthday I turned 25 years old it's 2005 years since Jesus was born this means he's coming back and he is coming back as something completely different I think I am coming back as something completely different I think I'm a shaman this is like blah blah and I was going through this thing and then my mom was like okay dear she's like washing the dishes and I went to the next room and my friend Deliso called and I was like I think I'm going to another place and I don't think I'm going to come back from it I'm just crossing over in some way. I don't know. And that was partly within the psychosis and partly just trying to make sense of it. Trying to like figure this is, it out. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you mean, do you mean you rationally going, I think I'm going to cross over into another mental state that I don't... I thought it was something spiritual. I didn't know what it was. Oh, okay. I think spiritual at that time I was thinking evolution. of it in terms of like a shamanic thing. I don't know what I was thinking. But I mean, who knows? I mean, another framework that could work. But basically, um, he was like, oh my God. He was like, I, I, I'm glad you're not upset about it. Like, that was, like <laughs> yes, that was his response. Like, he was like, ugh. Like, at least you're not like terrified right now. But you know what? Like, Maybe 2,000 years from now, <clears throat> your friend will write a book about you and then people will worship you. I don't think so, but he is a writer. <laughs> wow! But yeah, the recipe is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah. then I guess I don't know if we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but but I guess like it, you're sitting here today mm-hmm. and you're having this like very uh, in depth, intelligent conversation with the the three of us. Like, if you didn't end up in a in a psych ward, then like how did or you did end up in a psych ward? I guess when mm-hmm. you. Uh, when you attempted suicide, but um, how, like, how do you end up avoiding being there for the rest of your life? I guess um, because like, well, it's this a is little the, known fact that eighty percent of people respond pretty well to antipsychotic medication. So eighty percent, yeah, will respond pretty well to like their well, where their positive symptoms will be alleviated, which means the hallucinations, the delusional thinking. And a lot of the things that make them hard to manage in society, like, you know, being out of touch with reality. But it's the residual stuff, like the numbness, the feeling out of touch with who you are, the feeling confused, the feeling like your your, your brain is scrambled and you mm. can't think or feel. Like, those are the things that don't resolve as fast and no one's really investigating how to help with those things because mm. they're not a burden on society as much, although they sort of are... They're just not like people running down the street naked. They're kind of just right. like people, yeah, you yeah. know. But it, it's it's um, that's the hardest part, and that was the hardest part for me. The yeah, it was great to have some of the scary things resolve, like on the medication quickly. But what happened after that was I was left feeling like I had this label that was so heavy, and I was like, this this is what this means. This means I'm an alien. I can't think. I can't feel. I met peers, people who had gone through similar things, who. We're like, oh, I get this phase that you're in. Like, I've been there. Like, you know, you you will, like, you'll come around. Like, I know right now you can't think of much to say because you don't have the vocabulary. I understand. Um, but it is something that I think still some people don't understand. And the reason I left working in the arts was because I was like, I can't think or feel. I can't memorize lines. I can't, mm. 
you know, I can't feel emotion. I can't call upon that as an actor anymore. And I used to be very close to the surface with emotions. And I was, it was not a problem in my life. So this was like, what the hell is this life going to be? So that was really hard. And um, I, I took it really much hour by hour for a long time. And I don't think people realize the, the level of, um, like, I think the part of me that was the least affected was like, according to this like crazy neuropsych testing that they make you sorry use the word crazy again Uh, the the neuropsych (laughs) testing that a lot of time in clinics they'll ask you to do to determine how much impairment there's been cognitively um so i i did i dropped like 10 or 20 iq points because my 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 processing speed and my attention span was so bad slowed down slowed down was that from the the medication or was that from Mm -hmm. just from like the the, probably the the process itself of the brain scrambling and you know could be a little bit of both but basically at that time I was like it was such a letdown it was I felt awful because I was like wow I but my verbal IQ was the least affected I think of all the things even though I did feel internally like I couldn't find words mm. compared to my normal self but and I don't know because I, I before that I'd had IQ tests done but I'd never had like the breakdown of all the different sections done with me so I don't know but it was just so weird to think about this like to label yourself in this specific way is like you're impaired in these ways we don't have anything to help you with that just if you're going back to university study really hard and like you know read things over a lot of times <laughs> hmm. like it was like oh god anyway it was just right I was it was humbling and I think in my family. You know, my dad has always been like, you know, everyone's got to go to university. And like, he's just, he's a, I think he values intellect above all else. And I, I really congratulate him for not, um, for like sticking in my life, even though I mm. think he didn't know what to do with me when I was a vegetable type person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a vegetable. I wasn't a vegetable, but internally I wasn't. I was struggling. But you felt, you felt that way though. I felt like a lot of, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and even now, like having to, thinking about doing this interview it really made me think about what aspects of what someone would call schizophrenia are still with me. And I like to detach from it a little bit to say, well, because clinically, in terms of like the positive symptoms, they haven't been around on a regular basis for a long time. Like once in a while, every few months, I'll get a hallucination that lasts less than five minutes, you know, but it's not a big deal. But, you know, other than that, um, it's the subtle things. Like sometimes if I get really stressed out, my emotions get kind of fuzzy and I can't, I'm not clear. Sometimes I feel a little ungrounded and I can't explain to people what's going on that that is different. I feel like I have less of a, I feel like I'm, when I'm working therapeutically with people, I feel the most grounded because I feel like I'm serving someone else. And I feel like I'm, I'm there as a container. But when I'm, operating interpersonally with people I feel like um who I am isn't very it's not as maybe concrete as other people's experiences and I'm a Buddhist so I don't think we're like really I don't think there is this like concrete sense of self in a grand (laughs) scheme of things but I think I think there is a sense of like you know I think I think I uh my stress levels and my what's going on in my life really changes how I am in the world and um, to a degree that I don't think is quite average. <laughs> and I think, I think also um, there's some ways that I, I come across as being weird or shy or I, I don't know, like there's things like cer- certain types of sarcasm that like I had dropped out of society when certain things were like moving in. So, like, you know, in terms, you know, like social lingo that you're just like, mm, I totally yeah. get it and I think it's funny. I just don't know how to respond to it in the right way. Well, like right. there's like yeah, things sure. like that that I'm like, why? And this affects me so much. <laughs> you would not believe like... 
socially much? it's just like <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it's yeah. interesting and you say that you're buddhist and yeah like one of the biggest things about being buddhist is accepting yeah accepting yourself right and accepting your situation and everybody else that's that's around you kind of as one right and yeah. do you think that there's that there's more room for you to accept Oh yeah, I think I think this last week, just thinking about this, I've I've been going into more of the grief part and like thinking about a little bit being like being a little judgmental with myself around like, oh fuck, I'm not, I'm so weird, like you know, like things like that. Because you know? and the reason why I ask is because I this has been one of the most eye opening conversations that I've had in a long time, and like this this has been a, a, an amazing experience for for me just sitting down and chatting with you right now and one that will be like extremely memorable and I think that I've it's opened up a lot of doors and like kind of given me a lot of insight into new ideas new perspectives um old perspectives that have kind of been re reborn I don't know it's I just want to say that like it's been really really nice chatting with you and I don't think you need to worry about anything like that just embracing who you are because you are who you are and I am who I am and we're all mm. we're all mm-hmm. us, right? You, you you said something really uh, interesting about um, how you feel really grounded when you uh, when you work therapeutically with with people. Uh-huh. Um, that really resonated with me. I think that every every time we do an episode, every, no matter who we talk to or, or what we talk about, there you know we're always getting feedback from people who listen saying you know it's, you know so and so's experience with that helped me because i'm going through this or i've a, i know somebody and this has helped me understand that better or understand me better or whatever it is and i just that resonates with me so hard you know we all we all teach yoga and one of the things that that um that i love about about that part of my life is that no matter how scatterbrained i become no matter how stressful things get no matter how uh, uh, maybe down in the dumps I am or or just whatever's going on. When I step into the room to teach, all of a sudden, I, it, nothing is for me anymore. Everything is for the people that are in front of me. And there's no choice there. It's I can't, I can't choose to do anything for me for those next hour or whatever, how, many mm-hmm. time, how much time I have with them. It's a therapeutic hour to give myself completely and wholly to the people that are there to make sure that they're doing everything correctly to the best of their ability, that I can help them as much as I possibly can, that they can get the most out of the experience as possible. And... I'm always happiest. There's a there's a there's a there's a sense of happiness that comes after that that is so separate from like, you know, the happiness that I feel when I get that thing that I bought online and it comes in the mail. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, that yeah. you know, which is like pleasure and joy and like, yay, this is amazing, this is exciting versus this very different feeling of happiness and and groundedness when you are present and when you are really truly where you are. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just can't even, I can't even like, it's hard to put it into, into words. What that so feeling is that like. I know exactly that. I feel like that feeling is really tangible to me right at the very end of practice when everybody's either lying in Shavasana or, or sitting quietly. And there's just this like, kind of like whole energy in the room that just feel like this is this level of connection that you feel with everybody who's who's there mm-hmm. there's no room for anything extra but who you are who you really are 
Yeah. It's like a, it's like an hour of, of self-discovery or, or, or true self that, that, that comes mm-hmm. out and, and the people there get to be the benefactors of you being really you, which is amazing. Um, to come back to, uh, something that you had said earlier and we are, we were kind of actually talking about it in the car, mm-hmm. uh, driving over here. And I was like, uh, let's not talk about this. Cause I don't want to ruin it for the podcast. Right. Uh, you, you had just briefly mentioned you're in this like mourning process. Uh-huh. And is that, can you explain that? Like, do you mean you're, you're mourning the, the person you were before you went through this experience or, or do you mean the mourning of, of the schizophrenia that you're no no longer dealing with? Um, mainly I think it's, um, it's, it's mourning the, um, there are things about myself that I don't know if it's the medication now or just where I'm at with my life, but there is a level of like emotional acuity and like sharpness that I used to have when I was young. And also I would just wake up in the middle of the night and people would be talking in my head and I write down like a script overnight, you know, kind of thing. Like I'd have a full, Mm -hmm. you know, like I had a really creative spark and I don't feel that's, um, in the same way. And and I think um, my psychiatrist has also said to me, he's like, you know, these drugs are sort of supposed to like numb yeah. imaginative flights of fancy. That's sort of what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So I was like, right. Uh, okay. But uh, <laughs> so that's funny. But no, I do. I am still a creative person. I still do make um, make art as part of my living. But it's um, in a performative sense and in a writing sense. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I'm also grieving the the social connections that are impeded by me feeling so weird a lot of the time. And part right. of it is the feeling weird. Part of it is the way that I'm kind of a little bit, um, there's this sense of like, a lot of people I think with schizophrenia find this, is there's a sense of permeable boundaries between you and other people. Sometimes it's hard to know, to be grounded and to know where you are and where they're at and like where, it's just kind of like, it's just really hard to explain, but it's like mm-hmm. there, there's less of a – I think people are really attracted to people that have a grounded sense of self, even if they don't, we don't ultimately have, you know, an a, a inflexible sense of self. But I think um, – yeah, there's there's a part of me that I think I I've just been I've been I think the grieving is coming from the judgment in the last week I've been feeling around like oh fuck like you know and, and maybe it's just the experience of having been through such intense shit when you're young like yeah. it just kind of makes you different from yeah. other people that haven't gone through that and even if like even people that I know who have gone through intense shit in their lives if they had a you know a really steady grounded cohesive starting point that gives them something to return to. I don't really remember that. Mm. And so it's kind of like, oh, man. Do you find that the work that you do creatively now? Because, like, for me, I, yeah. I'm also an actor, right? And yeah, like yeah. My, my creative creative output is, like, the thing that keeps me sane. Yeah. It keeps me grounded. You. And I know that you said you, you, still, you still do, you still, you know, you create. You were, you, I know that you do some spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. Is that something that... Um, is you know is that one of your like anchoring points is that one of the things that you're you're still able to like maintain that brings you back to hmm. some sort of grounding i think it used to um i've i moved a bit away from spoken word just cuz i find like i where i where i've started the way i've started to write has gone back to more of a not page poetry but 
spoken word is a pretty narrow formula, actually, in mm-hmm. terms of like what usually fits in slams and what what works and what doesn't. And I don't find what I write fits in those frameworks very well anymore. So, but yeah, I have written a lot for that for that medium, and uh, and it was helpful for a while, for sure. I did a CD a while back, like years ago. Um, as I was recovering, I was writing spoken word poetry because of the rhyme scheme, and I'm, I'm pretty good at internal rhyme intuitively for whatever reason. And, and basically that means that I was able to remember words through associations to other words. Mm. And so that really helped me to big, build back up my vocabulary and, and be in the world. What a great thing to have yeah. as an actor. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was really great. So um, that I used, and I was writing about my experience, which was recovery from schizophrenia. So then um, a woman at a conference heard me do something and said, I don't know why I was there. I don't know what was going on. It's like 2007. And she was like, oh, my son's a recording artist and he lives with schizophrenia and you could record this for you. I'd like you to put out a CD. So I did. And I sold a few of them for a while. I think they're really old poems. And I find, like, I look at them and I go, they're so cheesy. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very old now. But um, I would like to do another series at some point, another another poetry CD that is different, that is... um, more inclusive of the whole whack of experiences sure. that I've had since. But but it is, yeah, anyway. Would it be yeah. inappropriate or weird uh, to ask if you if you have any, like, spoken word to, <laughs> to sure. do it? <laughs> to, um, like, yeah, I have my phone here. Just spit it out onto the mic, and we'll just release it as a CD and, and, uh, <laughs> and sell it. And sell, and um, I think it's in, it's in my email. I guess in terms of a somewhat more recent one, I haven't written much spoken word in the last couple of years, but in 2000 and. 13, I think, when I was working at Dal in the starting the peer support program there at the DSU, um, I was doing a lot of research on the history of madness. Now people were treated from across, whoops, from across time, uh, living with particularly psychotic illness. And uh, when I was doing this research, I was reading a lot of Foucault, history of madness, that kind of thing. And he is such a funny philosopher because he he looked at a lot of old literature and um, and art and found there was a common theme of mad ships, which is apparently where they, where he thought they used to send people and put them out to sea if they were determined to be mad. Holy shit. <laughs> it turns out this was just a theme throughout literature and art that was so prevalent that when people, scholars went back and looked at it, they, they thought like, it really oh, this happened. Must be this real. must be real. Right. Oh. And, and a lot of more recent scholars say it probably didn't happen in that way. Right. People were killed and chased out of town with pitchforks and things like that, but they wouldn't waste a ship on them probably is my guess. Right. It's, like, it's, just, <laughs> it's kind of sad, but like, you know. Um, but so this poem was written at a time where I thought, having read a lot of Foucault at that time, in that over that summer that um mad ships existed so that starts off the poem and so it's kind of weird the poem's got to be changed and i i thought i had a changed version but i don't think i can find it quickly so um i'll just read this version with the um caveat of uh mad ships are a figment of social imagination and the rest of it is pretty accurate sweet okay So let me see how I can look into this thing and go into the mic at the same time. We were boarded like cattle onto mad ships, sent back and forth across the sea. Until they transported us into prisons, they called them hospitals, but actually we were inmates, confined, made to perform hard labor, because at that time they ceased to call us neighbors. They said we were animals, that we had lost our reason. What kind of reason does a person have for chaining another to a wall, for tying them down and performing frontal lobotomies, using ice and insulin to shock their bodies, 
Hitler's idea for his famous gas chambers came from the euthanasia program at the local Berlin psychiatric hospitals. How is this possible? In 2016 in Halifax, people still spend days in a locked cell, in a psych ward with no bathroom, no windows, with only the occasional illusion of care when an orderly comes, holds you down by your hair, and jabs you in the ass with what you hope is your last shot of a drug that makes you drool and twitch. They call it the therapeutic quiet room. What kind of therapy is this? And there's so many ways they justify it. They say we're dangerous, it's good for us, and we're unpredictable. Well, that is only because we're forced to think so far outside the box that we're never turning back, but they still have us on lockdown every time our minds go off track. In some places in the world, we were once revolutionaries. We were seers and shamans and medicine women and leaders who made art until the world began to shine with our brilliance. We were the picture of reason. We had resilience. We climbed mountains because we were too wild to fear the fall, and when we fell, we were remembered. How many people in our city today are rendered invisible by the system that declares them dead long before their time? How many of them are represented in story and rhyme? To me, my suffering has been surpassed by one great sadness, perhaps the saddest of all, our society's history of madness. But what of our capacity to heal? To deliver real hope not situated in rigid societal norms, but sprinkled with the gritty sand washed up from the storm of our common experience of suffering. We can still hold hands under the stars and affirm one another's conviction that we are not separate. This is not only our affliction to bear. We can dream of a world where we are treated with dignity and care. We can build it together. I'll meet you there. We can advocate, press for reform and human rights, support each other when we're set free, but are still far from the light that will guide our way. And even after that day, when you find your northern star, we'll still be here beside you to let you know who you are in case you forget. You are a survivor, a mad hatter cast from the absurd tea party of life, a mad rebel forced to flee for their life, a mad genius who walks the sharpest knife's edge before creating a home amongst all of us, wildly unique and glorious, to show the rest of us how it's done. As Kerouac said, thank God for the mad ones, who show the world that we live in a fishbowl and a wharf above an ocean that stretches out in front of us as far as we can see. It takes only a few seconds of groundless flopping before we reach infinity. And it's only those who can see through our transparent glass walls who can remind us that most of us aren't free. Our future depends on those who leap for the mouth of the fishbowl, those who do not go gently. Oh, man. Mic drop. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, that was Jeez. incredible. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, thank you. Just that's, to that's, like sum so much of the conversations that we've had up in up that in that in that that little piece. Like I, I, that's how that's the that's the feeling that I am having from that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm feeling a year of a year of conversations just bundled up into one beautiful little package. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I got nothing else. <laughs> I, I, feel like that's, I feel like that's a, I feel like that is a really good place to wrap. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on that um, you, hmm. I think um I think well there was there was one link I, I hope not to take up too much time with it but No, no, no. Take um, up as honestly. There was something that you had said a minute ago about um 
about the experience of um of mindfulness and having the kind of opening to a larger self and i i have gone on a long long retreat since being ill and the first long one i went on i asked my friend who's a mentor and a mindfulness practitioner of like at least five decades who's a neuroscientist and a psych nurse and I asked him and I said do you know anyone who's gone on a long retreat who's had an experience of psychosis do they go mad and he said I don't know and I said okay I'm gonna do it and I went um and I I was in Vermont and uh at a at a center there and gradually over the course I had started to have a little loosening of you know some mild symptoms that I get once in a while just like very subtle stuff but I notice it because I'm just aware of it for some reason. But basically, once I was there and practicing regularly, it was like there was an opening that happened that was similar to an opening that happened when I was ill before. But this time, there was a context, and I had the ground of practice, and so it wasn't scary. It was like I was having thoughts, like, maybe I am a shaman or whatever, and they were just, like, floating up, like, rogue balloons and just, like... Passing like, passing, yeah. passing like a cloud going going by and I was like oh and then I started to have like really really um, but it was because there was um, there was an opening and but the ego wasn't jumping in and jumping a hold of things and going this is scary let's make a big story out of it which I think happens in psychosis mm-hmm. it was just sort of hanging out at the background um, and I, I became really sensitive then. I would sense there was a Rinpoche who was around, and I would tell if he was in the room, I could turn around, and there he would be. Like I sort of – there was certain energy stuff that I could sense. And I'm not a type of person that talks about that mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. thinks that way most of the time. But um, there was an opening, and it was really profound for me. And a lot of people at the program was were like, you're like a different person now. And then like this one person – and everyone is sort of, but this person drove me to the airport. I was going to Houston after to do this talk at a conference, and – which was super strange because I was going out of this one world into another. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was like, "You're you don't see your ego is like really far in the background right now." And I was like, "Yeah, it is." And I felt profoundly different. And a lot of people have these kind of experiences when they meditate for long periods. But there was something really special about knowing that, like, you know, is like, is this illness? Like, is this what this is, or is this? an inappropriate training for the type of experience that I am prone to have, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what, what could I do to make that, you know, um, you know, with, without the proper mind training to work with these kinds of things, you're going to go off. But I met my friend's grandfather who's worked with a lot of people who have had psychosis in Buddhist contexts. And he's like, yeah, it's a sensitivity to the, to the gap between concepts that you're aware of and thinking. It's like you open, but then you open, open, open. And then your ego jumps in because you're like trying, whoa, 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 trying whoa, whoa, yeah, to yeah, grab a hold of yeah. something. But then it gets so, so intense um, because, you know, it just, it just runs away with a storyline that makes no sense because there's no ground. And, and that's, I think, kind of what is happening with psychosis. And I, I tend to, I tend to see it kind of that way. And I'm trying to, I'm working on accepting the subtler parts. I think I'm just becoming more aware of them in the last week or so. Like, oh, right. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to accept the subtler parts because um, I've certainly gone through periods of accepting the other parts, aside from the stigma of like, you know, having it impact my ability to like find work or date or know people that don't know me as a crazy person you know Mm -hmm, it's kind of like totally a weird thing in the world Mm -hmm. 
But, um, yeah, it is, um, it's nice to have an opportunity like this to go into it a little bit because I think, um, if you package it up with a word like schizophrenia, no one has a clue what that means. Yeah, totally. It's so weird in you saying schizophrenia right now because I haven't thought of this, uh, like I haven't thought of schizophrenia in the last half hour. Yeah. Okay. Just your experience, just you and, and, and your experiences with your mind. You've, You've, I, I think you've answered this question. There's two questions that, that I, I do like to ask. And I feel like you've answered the first one, which is what's one thing that schizophrenia has taken from you? Yeah. I'm curious to know what you would say is one thing that schizophrenia has given you. Um, I think one thing is compassion for other people that are suffering. I think that's a really automatic thing that people who suffer will will encounter across the board. Mm. I think another thing <coughs> is like it's kind of like when things keep kicking you in the ass like you just can't go to sleep in this life. Like you just have to keep working to wake up and live a life with a lot of awareness and integrity that if you're not challenged to do so, you may not do. So I think that's it. Laura, thank you yeah. for yeah, yeah. Uh, coming in and taking the time out of your night to chat with us. Um, thank you to everyone who has tuned in. Um, if this conversation has hit you like it's hit me, and I can speak for Brian and Taylor as well, yeah. um, Share this with someone. And uh, and again, thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. That's yeah. all for today. Thank I'm Brian. Guys. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.